Father Ricardo, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rudy, for having me here in, in the pews. Now, you prefer to be called Father Rick, right? Yeah, Father Rick is fine, yeah. A little more casual. Soy Padre Ricardo Arriola Gonzalez, but, you know, I found out that not everybody can roll their R's, like, so I, uh -huh. you know what, just, I'll make it easy for you. <laughs> Father Rick. Father Rick. So, yeah. Now, how long have you been here at St. Bart? I've been here, it's going to be two years. So close to two years. Two yes. years as a mm -hmm. parochial vicar. Have you been extended for another year or so? I don't know yet. Um, when do you find yeah, out? I find out maybe within uh, a month or so. Um, so not, not really sure. But you know how it is. You know, when I signed up for the priesthood, you know, my life is run by another, you know. Uh -huh. Uh, and that's that's the beauty of Catholicism, right? That ultimately everything leads to to God's authority uh -huh. and and Jesus Christ's lordship. So yes, I'm 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 open to to any movement. So I'm not really that worried about. You know? I guess you would approach it as sort of like being in the military when you receive your orders. Yes, you ship out, right? Yes. You know, uh, probably my first year, I was a little bit anxious, you know, about like where, you know, where am I going to be sent? And, uh -huh. and I mean, it's still there uh, to a certain extent because I'm a human being and, you know, change is always something that, um, you know, creates certain impact uh, in, in you psychologically. Uh -huh. But uh, ultimately, you know, in my prayer, you know, I always say, wherever you want to lead me, Lord, that's where I want to be. And uh, so I try not to, you know, think too much about that. Um, but it's good. It's good. It's going to be two fantastic years here at St. Bart's. Now, during your podcast with Father Christopher Conversing Clergy, yeah. I heard a joke. And I'm, by the way you guys talk about it, it seems like it's a running joke. But he said something about you wanting to be a parochial vicar for an extended period of time. Is that was that a running joke? You know, that is something that I have realized maybe maybe this year, you know, uh, because of the pandemic. Uh -huh. um, you know, it's it's always, uh, you know, good to experience, you know, a full year, a little bit more normal, you know. Because the pandemic definitely brought some uh, challenges, yes. challenges and exceptions. Uh -huh. So it would be nice uh, to experience another year. Now, forever, I'm not quite <laughs> sure about that. But again, you know, it's what the Lord wants. Uh, I can tell you, you know, from a human perspective, uh -huh. uh, I mean, as a parochial vicar, I don't have the weight of, of, of the parish it like Father like Christopher does. You know, pretty good gig. Right, you, know, you get a yeah. lot of the benefits and not a whole lot of the oh, downsides. Of exactly. I mean, you're you're with the people. You are, you know, trying new things. Yes. You know, you kind of raise your hand to fathers, like, "Hey, what if we do that?" And you know, if he says yes, then you just don't worry about too much about budgeting or <laughs> and management else. or all of that stuff. Right. Yes, exactly. exactly. So it is uh, best of both worlds. You know. How long have you been a priest? I've been a priest. It's going to be two years. Two years now. Yeah, so this is my first assignment as a, as a priest. Have you always thought that you would be a priest growing up? Well, you know, um, when I was probably seven years old, I, I told my parents that I, that I would like to be a priest. But, uh, you know, my parents never really pushed me for that. Uh, you know, I went to Catholic schools, so, you know, Catholicism was, uh -huh. was very much present in my entire life. But uh, I. I forgot about it probably, I don't know, when I turned maybe 10 or 11, I never, you know, spoke about that ever again uh -huh. until I actually moved to America because, you know, I was born and raised in Guadalajara, Mexico. Okay. And then I moved here and uh, just by myself, like it was a 
a huge change for me uh, because I am the youngest of nine. Okay. So I've, I've been always around a lot of people in my life, you know, and then coming here by myself, that was a, quite a challenge. What brought you here? Well, professional goals. I, I was uh, a graphic designer with uh, aiming towards uh, the animation industry. You know, my, my dream job was Pixar or Disney <laughs> studio, uh, you know, animated studios. Uh -huh. and, um, but, and, you know, I, I always knew that I was going to uh, be away from, from Mexico because uh -huh. even though the animation industry is growing there, I mean, it's still a, a baby even now, yes. right? So, uh, I so always you were knew. in your adulthood when you Oh, yeah. I moved, moved here when I was 24, almost 25 years old. So, yeah. And at the, that point, no thoughts of priesthood? No really. thoughts of priesthood. No. At the time, actually, I had a girlfriend and uh, we were going to get married uh, or, you know, planning to get uh -huh. married. And, you know, it was a almost four-year relationship. So, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely not there. However... When I entered seminary, um, I remembered that when I was watching The Passion of the Christ, the movie, uh -huh. after that movie, because I had gone to see it in the movie theater with, uh, with my ex-girlfriend. And after that, you know, we would go and have, you know, a chat about it, you know, and just share our, our thoughts and feelings, you know, about the, the movies that we watched. And uh, we were all, we were both crying uh, after that movie. and. I remember I told her, you know, if our relationship doesn't work out, I would actually consider the priesthood, like all of a sudden. <laughs> and, uh, and I had forgotten about that. So I guess the Lord, you know, always put that desire in my heart. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, it's like, uh, that's how grace works. You know, sometimes, you know, the Lord is, is pouring all that grace and he's communicating to you, but sometimes you're just not ready to to listen and i think that readiness uh came to me when i moved by myself in your had, 20s in my 20s late 20s and i had uh time to really discover you know what is life you know the the big questions you know uh mm -hmm. what is the purpose of my life you know i believe in god why do i believe in god you know what's the uh what makes me believe in god you know all this faith and all this knowledge that i have received since i was a kid you know, it's, it's okay not to doubt, but it's okay to ask questions about your faith. And, you know, here in America, we have so many Protestant denominations and other religions here in Houston. Yes. And, you know, I was a public school teacher, by the way. I did not come here as an anime, uh, animator uh -huh. or a graphic designer, but as I moved teacher. as a teacher. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, public schools, I worked for A-Leaf ISD for five years. And, you know, you get to meet people from different backgrounds, different religions. Yes. And then, you know, when they ask you things, you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I don't think I know how to defend my faith. And so that, you know, makes you go deeper into it and find the right uh, answers, uh, but not only for them, but for yourself, uh -huh. you know? So all of those, uh, God had a plan for sure. Do any of your and brothers or sisters go into religious life? Only a, a cousin. Okay. One of my cousins, um, he's a Carmelite. Uh, in Mexico or? In Mexico. Yeah. And one of my aunts, um, my, my dad's sister, she was a Salesian sister, but she passed away. Okay. Do you think mm -hmm. they had any influence on? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, it's so funny because when I, you know, as I was growing up, um, we would go to mass 
on Saturday. Okay. At 7 p.m. And it was a mass just for the Arriola family because we were so many mm-hmm. and we had a priest friend. And uh, so can you imagine like all of my cousins with my uncles and everybody <laughs> in the same chapel? It was in, um, in so a school. Practically your whole family in, in yes. the whole chapel. Yes. Just took up yeah, the entire we were chapel. Probably, I don't know, maybe uh, 100 people. Wow. Yeah. 80 to 100 people every Saturday. And we did that probably 10 years or 10 years of my life. Wow. And, uh, and it was, it was nice because, you know, you, you got to see your cousins and, you know, sometimes they would come to my house to just have dinner because, you know, uh, in Mexico, we eat dinner so late, like 10 PM. Really? You're eating dinner. Wow. Yeah. That is late. Now, yeah. do both of your parents have large families as well? Well, growing up? yeah. Uh, my, my, um, my dad is, uh, the third one of 13. 13. Yes. <laughs> wow. Now I see why you can, That's how you right. can mm-hmm. take up an entire church with oh, your I know. extended yes. family. And with my mom, there are less uh, six, which is just not bad. Six, just six, right? You know. <laughs> right. That's yes. six. Uh, and, and I would, you know, I would, you know, go with, with them as well. But uh, my, you know, most uh, memorable uh, memories are with my dad's side of the family. And both of your yeah. parents grew up Catholic. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so very was, Catholic. And you, and you said you went to Catholic school in the. Yeah. Starting since kindergarten. Uh, it was Catholic schools. It was uh, run by passionate nuns. Uh-huh. And it was, it was such a great time. I remember because my, there was another school where we used to go to mass in that chapel. It was a Salesian uh, school only for, for boys. And my mom, uh, she was like, would you like to, to move to that school? And I would always like, because one time she was very, very serious about it. And I, I remember I was crying. I did not want to leave uh, Instituto Alberici, uh, which was my, my school. So I stayed uh-huh. there uh, because I really loved it uh, since I was in kindergarten all the way to middle school. And, uh, and now they have high school and I'm like, man, I would have liked to, <laughs> to stay there. Um, is it a small school? Is that why you didn't want to? It's small. Move? Uh, I mean, I guess medium size, uh, okay. school, but, uh, you know, I really, I'm really grateful for Catholic schools. I actually believe in Catholic education. Uh-huh. Um, it was not a classical model, which, uh, you know, I definitely would have preferred. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you know, into, I don't know if you're into bit, yes. Catholic education and, and stuff like that, but it was a good school. I mean, uh, great values, great Catholic values, great Catholic culture, uh, teachers, you know, they were uh, very serious about their faith and uh, it was just a nice environment. And the nuns, you know, who, who doesn't love nuns? <laughs> you know, even like, you know, some friends that I have that they're not Catholic, they love nuns. Is it not because... Um, for some people, when you say Catholic school, yes. some, it conjures up images of very strict, extremely rigid, uh, you know, priests and nuns. Mm-hmm. Was it like that at all or it was not, the opposite? It was not, well, not completely the opposite because I remember there were some sisters, there were some nuns that, you know, they would, uh, you know, they would use a ruler. And, oh, wow. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you did not behave, they would... Uh, uh, bring you outside uh, and just, you know, being there for a while under the sun, which it was, you know, pretty heavy. Uh-huh. But, you know, all of that, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating for that, you know, to come back. But um, 
I always knew that they were not hating me, you mm -hmm. know, that they were, they were just trying to correct a certain behavior and they wanted us to remember that, uh, you know, there are consequences yes. uh, for our bad, you know, behavior. But to be honest, I was always a good kid. I was always a good student. Uh, I always liked school. Uh, I guess I would be considered a nerd, you know, in school. Hey, same here. But <laughs> but, uh, but not really, actually. I, I was always, you know, hanging out with different uh, groups, you know, because, um, uh, you know, I, I always had this in mind, you know, it's like, why should I be just married to a certain kind of group? You know, it's like, uh -huh. you have to, you have to go you know, outside of yourself and, and try to be with the different kind of people. Did and any of your friends um, go into religious life? No. From high school? No, or? no, I'm the only one. And, and uh, did they, they were did very that surprised. surprised. <laughs> yeah, they were, well, not extremely surprised, but yeah, they were excited. They were excited about it because they're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I never met anyone who would actually decided to, to go. Uh -huh. And uh, our class was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I, I have a friend that, he, um, he, he works for the news in a very important channel in, in, uh, in Mexico. And, uh, and then another one, uh, became a, a model and, you know, like wow. we have different, like weird, uh, cases there. So from, your trajectories are just I'm like, and, completely I'm, different. and I became a priest. <laughs> that's that's kind of <laughs> So it's weird. not one of those situations where like that guy. Really? No. No. no it was just no. like, wow, that's interesting. That yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting, and you know, well, nowadays, you know, they they find you on Facebook, and you know, they reconnect with you, and and they're just excited. It's you not know? a huge surprise anymore. Yeah. Right. 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 So, because they they you, they saw you on Facebook going mm -hmm. through the whole discernment process, I'm sure. Right. Exactly. Uh, well, I was not very big into Facebook uh, before entering seminary. I would post, you know, here and there. Uh -huh. I would just have it more for my family. Um, and like extremely close friends that I would, you know, just, uh, that I had met, you know, but, uh, but then later on, you know, um, as a seminarian, you know, you get to know so many people, you know, mm -hmm. I guess that's one of the, the most beautiful things about seminary. It's like, you meet so many people in different, um, you know, roads and, and of their life, yeah, different, and different backgrounds, different, backgrounds yeah. different stages of their lives and different needs. And, uh, and, and, and they, they start loving you. And I think, you know, um, perhaps not many priests talk about this, but seminary, you know, yes, it is important to, to attend to, to school and, and, and have, um, you know, we, I think we get three degrees, which don't even ask me what degrees are, <laughs> I already forgot, but, uh, you don't get two masters and one ecclesiastical degree, whatever. Uh-huh. And that's good because we need to know the faith. I mean, come on, we're going to be teachers of the faith yeah, and you're right? defend in the name the of, of the Lord. Yes. So, of course, we need to know what we're talking about and, and have good homilies. But one of the most interesting aspects of seminary formation is actually to shape our heart into a pastor's heart. And we cannot do that if we don't receive the love of the people mm. because... Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things like there's a relationship, right? Yes. I mean, you have to give love, but you also have to experience that love from the people. And from day one, I, I remember, you know, receiving letters from strangers saying, I just prayed a rosary for you. Keep That's it awesome. up. That's you awesome. Know, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's been wonderful.
Now, did you come to sh- straight to Houston from yes. Mexico? Yes. Why I've Houston? Been. So uh, let me, that's, this is actually pretty interesting. So many people don't know this, but uh, here in Texas, there is a great need of bilingual teachers, uh, yes. English and Spanish. And so, um, you know, they, they go out different countries um, in Latin America uh, to find if somebody is willing to become a teacher. So you were recruited. Yes. I don't know if you know Region 4. Yes. But Region 4, um, you know, they are the ones who sent uh, certain professors to my hometown. And, uh, and they, um, they basically are there and they teach you how to become a, a, a teacher. You get some credits in school in a university over there. But, but the story is interesting. So uh, in one of those occasions that I was uh, taking the bus to, to visit my ex-girlfriend, uh-huh. uh, I see this big billboard and it said it had three questions. The first question was, do you speak English? And I was like, yeah, I do. Uh-huh. And the other one was, do you have a bachelor's degree? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And the third question is, would you like to work in the U.S.? I'm like, what mm. is this about? <laughs> and, uh, and I remember uh, that I, I said, I need to go back to that billboard. Yes. And I went back and I, you know, uh, wrote down the, the phone number. And I remember it's one of those experiences that you're just filled with joy. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You just kind of like everything is open now, right? You see an opportunity because I saw that big billboard after going through uh, a week that I was very extremely down. I was feeling very down because, you know, yes, I was working in my career. I had three jobs in Mexico, all related to graphics and all that. But I was, I mean, I was probably working 14 hours or sometimes even more. And Uh uh, I mean, I didn't care because I really liked doing that. But, um, but I was like, no, you know, this is not really taking me where I want to go. And then I see that big, big billboard and I'm like, okay, Lord. So I'm going to call that number uh-huh. and they're going to say, would you like to become a Disney animator? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> right. So I call and, and I'm like, what is, what is this about? Uh-huh. And they're like, well, this is, uh, uh, you know, a whole process to, for you to become a bilingual school teacher. Uh-huh. I'm like, Oh, a school teacher. Um, all right. Thank you so much. Would you like me, you know, to give you a phone number for, uh-huh. you know, I'm like, uh, sure. And I remember I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to my parents' house. I'm just going to tell this story to my dad. And because he, if he doesn't like it, he's going to tell me and that's going to be sufficient for me to be like, yeah, you're right. It's, this is nonsense. This yes. is silly. I'm not even going to go, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not be willing to change my, my career. Uh, you know how it is. I mean, I don't know if you know about graphics and all that, yes. but if you are not working on that, there's uh, big chances that there's going to be a lot of dust. Uh, yeah. You'll be left behind with the technology behind the and technology all of, yeah. and the software uh-huh. and everything, yes. and even your skills, you know, but, um, but anyway, so I, I tell the story to my dad and to my surprise, he says, well, Go for it. Yeah. He says, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, uh, what do you think? He's like, I think, it, you know, I, it sounds like a great opportunity. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, you think so? You know, so after just, uh, you know, taking it to prayer, obviously I knew that, you know, my relationship, there was, there was going to be certain changes and, and whatnot. And so long story short, I decided to, to go for it. 
And uh -huh. after nine months, uh, I became a school teacher. And there's a job fair. It's a job fair in Monterrey. Okay. And so we, uh, we went there and there were probably about 25 school districts, all from Texas. Wow. And, um, and I said to myself, I've always liked big cities. Yes. I, I'm from a big city, Guadalajara. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's, it's the second largest uh, one in, in Mexico. And so I, I said, well, I want a school district that is in, in the big city. But for whatever reason, that year, Houston ISD didn't go there for the job fair. Okay. I was willing to, to go for Houston ISD. Yes. So the next one, it was A-Leaf. Uh, there was very, you know, big and, and right yes. there in, in, in the heart of the city as well, almost uh, Southwest. And, um, and I remember, cause it's a, it was an interesting experience because I was, uh, you know, you see all this, we were probably 200 people there Okay. and uh, they tell you, okay, the first day you have to get interviews. And so you, it, and if you don't have uh, your top three school districts that you're aiming for. Okay. And, um, and then the rest, well, you know, you just fill it in. So I think I had access to five interviews. And, uh, so the first one was a leaf and mm -hmm. I got it. I got my, my interview at 7am the next morning and I go in there and I got the job. Wow. Right. And then it was and there. just right. Th yeah. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is crazy. You know, how, you know, I was just, I, I remember I was, I was, I was crying actually. I was, I was really, because, you know, it's a whole process, you know, that you're dedicating so many hours yes. and because I was working three jobs plus I was going to this classes and then anyway, yes. it was, it was very intense. So the classes you were taking, they were alternative certification. Yes. yes okay. Alternative certification. Yeah. And the I went through the whole process myself too. No way. Yes. Oh my I, goodness. I, I was, while I was going through the process, I was working in a leaf. So I was just no way. Oh my gosh. That's, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm happy to share that with you. Um, yeah. So, um, I got hired and I had to go to the other school districts like, Oh, thank you. So oh, wow. by 7 30 AM I had a job. Wow. And, uh, anyway, so I was, uh, very happy and it was, I knew that it was the beginning of a new adventure in my life, but I did not know what kind of adventure it was awaiting. I was waiting for me. So, um, you know, at that point from I, the interview, how long until you actually moved to the U S uh, three more months, three more months. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did you have to wrap up your certification process or was it already done? Uh, no, I had to wrap it up, okay. uh, the, ne the next following year. And that was it. Okay. Um, I had a great school first school year. Uh, uh -huh. I, I had kindergarten. That's my first year. Well, Which actually, first you two years. Ewan's, Ewan's Elementary. Okay. Uh, I was working there for two years and I mean, five years total, but in kindergarten, two years. And, you know, I remember the principal's like, we definitely want you here. Um, and, uh, but the only position we have is kindergarten. I don't know how you feel about that. And, you know, <laughs> you just want the job, you know? And I'm like, oh, I've always liked it. Right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I was like, I thought I was going to be, you know, just uh, not teaching, but just like babysitting. Uh -huh. But to my surprise, yeah. kindergarten, oh my, Very it's rigid. not kindergarten. Yeah. I don't know how old are, you are, but uh, I, it's not, <laughs> it's not like how, how we it, experienced yeah. it. I mean, now they have to read and everything. And, you know, uh, I, I, I really like to talk about this because the Lord uh, really works in, you know, in our life through the different circumstances. 
-hmm. because can you imagine, I mean, me devoting 14 hours or 12 hours, you know, just being in front of a monitor of a computer. Yep. And now I was with kids and with their parents and with coworkers. <laughs> I mean, now my, my job life was completely different. Now it was people oriented, Yes. you know, service basically. Uh, and so it, it's so interesting how the Lord is preparing your heart for what's coming next and for what he's going to propose uh, to do. Um, for you to do. And so um, I ended up loving teaching. To my surprise, after probably my third or beginning my fourth year teaching, I, I was not even thinking about animation at that point. I, I fell in love so much with, with education that I, I'm confident to say that if the Lord had not called me uh -huh. I would still be perhaps not a, a teacher in the classroom, but I would be involved like in the ad building or something in education okay. um, because um, I was already going towards that. I was, um, I was thinking about the priesthood. Um, I think it was my fourth year, early fourth year. And uh, that came about because again, you know, meeting people, uh, questioning me about, you know, my faith. Uh -huh. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I was very involved in, in parish life with a lot of young adult groups. Okay. And I can tell you young adult groups in this archdiocese, they're very inspiring. They're extremely inspiring. I remember going to a cafe Catholica at St. Vincent de Paul and, uh, I was not even considering the priesthood then. Um, and I did not know anyone. And it was packed. Wow. This is, you know, pre-COVID. So it was yes. packed. I think it was probably, I don't know, a thousand or I don't wow. know, probably like 600 or something like that. But it That's was still it was, a lot. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I remember, you know, during that time, I was not, um, you know, my relationship with the Lord has, has always been good. Uh, but during that time, I went through not clinically depressed, but really down. Okay. There were so many changes in my life. Well, you had a large family. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're cut off from them. Yes. And a, and a lot of people, especially Americans, they don't realize this. Like with the culture of a lot of people is your, your family, you're very tight knit with your family. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in, in Mexico, in the Philippines, it's just, it's like that. Yes. Your, your, your cousins are almost like your brothers and sisters. Yes. And you move here to Houston and you're cut off completely. You know, the th yes, you are talking about something very important, which is that cultural shock. Uh, you know, when you come to America, there are extremely uh, beautiful things about this American culture. Uh, I mean, to my surprise, you know, I did not experience that kind of depression until later on. Uh, they would tell me, you know, my first years, how are you feeling? Are you missing, you know, home? Yeah, I yeah. was having a blast. Uh, but it was later on, it was, it was, again, it was probably towards the end of my third, beginning my fourth year that I experienced uh, loneliness uh, in a real, real sense. Because so the honeymoon phase. Had yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the fact, you know, what, going back to what you were saying, the treasure for uh, a Mexican or in your case, a Filipino it's, uh, it's people. Yes. That's, that's our treasure. You know, th those are our gems, you know, our, our parents, our, our siblings, uh, your friends, right? It's, it's, 
these are your treasures. And so the fact that you are removed, even though it was willingly, right, for uh -huh. professional goals, et cetera, uh, there is a big part of you that, um, that it's not the same. And I thought, you know, when I moved to this country, you know, I was like, hey, I'm going to be in an apartment by myself. I'm going to be throwing parties every <laughs> night. I'm going to know everybody in this apartment complex. Uh -huh. And then after three years, I realized I don't even know if it's a woman or a man. Your next door neighbor. My next yeah. door neighbor. I don't even know nothing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the apartment would do some like community parties or whatever uh -huh. in the pool. And I would be there and it was just like, I don't know, like three people there. Wow. And then I would see people just coming down to get the food and they would go back to their oh, apartments. And I'm like, what is this about? <laughs> and uh, so long story short, you know, when I uh, start getting involved in young adult groups, uh -huh. uh, that's when my, my social life um, really, really begins. Uh, because yes, I had other, you know, uh, quote unquote friends, uh -huh. but they were not grounded in the Lord. And it was, it was just bad influence, you know, um, you, you know, a, a lot of people think, you know, priests, you know, they always had their life together. You know, uh -huh. they think that a priest just comes down from heaven and they, you know, ah, I'm here to become a priest yes. or, you know, they, people understand, you know, you grew up in a, in a family and everything it's, 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 uh, so beautiful. And, and perfect and all. You, yes, you've, you've always been, you know, uh, um, you know, a, a good Catholic and, and it's like, sometimes that, that is not the case. I mean, you see St. Paul, you know, what, what he was, you know, going through, he went through a, a deep conversion in, in his life. Now, in my experience, it was not, um, a conversion per se, uh -huh. but it was a, it was, you know, it, God allowed me to experience uh, a certain, you know, period of my life, uh, what it means to live without having Jesus at the center. I never stopped going to mass, uh, because mass for me has always been the most beautiful, uh, uh experience in this world of, uh -huh. of God. Uh, my relationship with God has always uh, had to do with the mass, with the liturgy. And, um, however, you know, it was probably, I don't know, uh, an entire year that the, I experience what it means to, to live without God being at the center. And I can tell you, it was like day and night. So it added to your depression too, I guess. Oh my goodness. It added to, yeah, my loneliness too, because I, I had friends, but they were just leading me to uh, paths that, are, that, were, that were taking me away from the Lord. So you had no relatives here in Houston? No. None no, whatsoever? None. Anywhere around the U.S.? Yes. Could, yes. Oh, yeah. What was Actually, the closest? Well, um, I, uh, Tucson, Arizona. That's Two still sisters pretty far, there. Though, it yeah. is far. Yeah, I have another one in California, another sister in uh, Washington State, and uh -huh. now a brother. Two years ago, he moved to Chicago area. So, um, so you're still cut off. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. But I must say, one of my sisters... Um, Oh, actually, my first year, I had a sister who lived in Florida, and okay. she actually helped me, you know, kind of like getting used to the change. You and still whatnot. feel lonely, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, she was only here for less than a month. Okay. So that's it. I had a complete opposite. When I moved to the Philippines, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm related to everyone. <laughs> They're like, this is your cousin. This is your aunt. This is your, you know, and I'm like, okay. Because oh my, my mom has a that's huge great. family. and. Yeah. 
everywhere I looked, I'm being introduced to somebody who's related to me. And I, I was the opposite growing up in Hawaii. It was just us. Yeah. We didn't have any relatives in Hawaii at all. Mm-hmm. And then all the other relatives were over, you know, the other side of the, the Pacific Ocean in California, the closest. Mm-hmm. Wow. So wow. it's the complete opposite of what you had. That's I, right. All of a sudden I met all, all these mm-hmm. family members. But, you know, all of that, you know, God, God um, uses for, for his plans. Yes. Um, now, you know, the priesthood is not about being lonely. It's, it's completely the opposite. But there are times that the priests uh, experience, uh, you know, just being alone. Uh, that's just the case. You know, uh-huh. especially if you, if you get um, an assignment, you know, just by yourself in the countryside, whatever, you know. So, you know, all of that kind of prepared me. Uh, because imagine, you know, five years, you know, just being by yourself and then entering seminary. You know, for, for many guys in the seminary, that was their first experience of being removed from from their parents from their you know what they were used to yes and and uh and i and i must say you know i was grateful for those five years of having already been removed from my own and and I, and it kind of gave me gave me you know um kind of uh, more enjoyment and you know not worried about those things but just really getting, you know, ready for for priesthood so it kind um, of prepared you for yes. the seminary and also i mean I must say, you know, God called me when I was 28. So, you know, those are, those are the decisions in life that you're not going to take very lightly, right? I mean, you know what commitment is at that age. You yes. understand that you're not playing, you're not trying, you know, you are, you're, you're entering seminary with the hope that you will be ordained. Yes. So that happened to me uh, now, that doesn't mean that throughout seminary, you know, there are rough times mm-hmm. of discernment, uh, which I did experience, but God gave me the grace to always know that, okay, this will pass and, you know, uh, you will become a priest. Um, obviously, I never said that because then the formators are like, why are you so sure? And it's not, it's not that I was sure. It's just one of those things like you just feel yes. in, in, in your heart. So but how many years were you teaching before you entered? I the was seminary? teaching five years. Okay. And then, you know, seminary for seven years. Because uh-huh. uh, I don't know if people know the process. Uh-huh. Uh, but it takes uh seven years if you already joined the seminary with a bachelor's degree. Yes. Otherwise it would be nine years. But for me it was seven. So I studied philosophy at University of Dallas, Holy Trinity, two years, which uh-huh. I definitely want to say that I'm in love with the University of Dallas and with Holy Trinity Seminary. I mean, I had two wonderful years. Studying philosophy changed so much about the way I see myself, I see the world, I, I even think, uh, because that's what philosophy is, right? Yes. It teaches you how to think, yes. how to even ask questions, you know, uh-huh. uh, very deep questions. And uh, so I, I had a great experience in, in Holy Trinity uh, which prepared me for theology here at St. Mary's in Houston. Okay, before we get into that, we'll go into that a little more. Let's go back to the girlfriend. Yeah, I'm stuck on that right now. <laughs> where did where did the decision come for you to break up with the girlfriend, or did she break up with you before you entered the seminary? No, I I must say that I was the the bad guy of the movie. Um, so really, yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, um, our relationship was was pretty great. You know. Then I decide to to come to America, 
she actually studied graphic design and, and animation. So okay, so you were working together we, in Mexico. No, we were not working together. Uh, she was uh, a year uh, behind in, in college. We, we met in okay. college. Um, and um, so she, she told me, well, you know, I really wouldn't like to change my career because this is what I what I'm studying for. Yes. However, you know, because I definitely want to get married. I am willing to, to also become a teacher. Okay. And, and, uh, and so I remember I came here and she's like, you know, I'm, I'm already contacting the person. And to my surprise, uh, I was not happy. Uh, I was like, I'm, why am I not happy that, that she's going to do this? And, and of course, really? you know, we were good, good Catholics. So we weren't going to live together without getting married first. Yes. Yeah. So I just saw like a big wave of the ocean just coming, coming, coming. And I did not find peace. And I remember um, that I was dealing with, I would say, anxiety uh, every morning. And I'm like, you know, why, Lord? You know, why? If she is, you know, she had everything, right? Beautiful, uh, Catholic, uh, I mean, understanding uh, smart, you know, all, all the, all the great traits. And I'm like, and still, why am I, am I feeling this okay. anxiety? So I knew, I knew that that was not where, where the Lord wanted me. Also, I must say, you know, uh, I was living with my parents until, you know, I moved to America, uh -huh. which is contrary to the American culture. Yeah. It's very common, uh, but, in but it's country. very common yeah. in, in conservative <laughs> families. Yes. And, um, and so I was like, I don't think I'm ready to, you know, coming from a home to start my own home. I think I kind of missed a certain um, part of my life that would help me to, to realize, you know, the big questions in life. You know, who am I? Where am I going? Yes. Why am I a Catholic? Do I really believe in God? You know, what, why do I believe in God? You know, what is the church? Uh, what, what does it mean to be a son of the church, et cetera? Uh, there were so many crucial uh, questions that I needed to answer for myself before, you know, even thinking about forming a family of my own. Uh -huh. uh, I guess, you know, that's, I don't want to say the word, but I'll say it because, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm a little bit shy, but I was probably immature. Okay. I was immature. I, I needed to grow. And so, um, so long story short, I, I was a bad guy. So I, I break up. And, Did you break uh, up while you were here already? Yes, I was. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I wanted to to you know travel down there and and do the right thing. Yes, but uh, it was obvious you know through the phone that that things were not right. So oh. I had to break up over the phone. Oh, that's but then terrible. I but then we saw each other when I when I went for Christmas that year. So she didn't push through with becoming a teacher. No, no, she stayed with yeah. uh, with graphic and design. And now she's uh, happily married, and she has two beautiful kids, and and uh, everything is uh, it's, wow. it's good. Everything is the way God wanted. How, how long were you together with her? Close to four years. Wow, that's pretty serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four years, and in your in your twenties. Oh yeah, exactly. Late twenties. Yeah. So, yeah, so. so yeah, pretty serious. So then you decided. At mm. which point did you decide? Okay, I want to be uh, enter the seminary. Oh, enter seminary. Uh, well, um, my first experience uh, really thinking seriously about priesthood mm -hmm. was that year that I told you that I was uh, really, really down. 
Yes. Um, that I didn't know. It's like, okay, you know, I love my job, but I feel super empty. What's going on? You know, also, you know, my, my social life was not there yet. You know, um, you know, it's just, we're social beings in that aspect. It's not doing great. Something, something's going to happen. Right. So anyway, I was feeling really down and obviously, uh, what we are all yearning for is it's God. It's a deeper relationship with Christ. And, uh, but I, I was not able to, to say that, you know, but, uh, God put a desire in my heart to have a retreat. Um, you know, being in Catholic schools, I probably the last retreat was, I don't know, had been seven or eight years. I'm like, I think I need a retreat. So this is kind of funny. So I go into the arch, archdiocesan website uh-huh. and I look for retreats that are available. And I'm like, well, I want something you know, cheap or even free if it's possible. <laughs> Those are, that's my favorite word. Free. You're, on a, you're on a teacher's salary, right? <laughs> I know, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I see this uh, ad and it said discernment retreat, you know, men and women. I think it was, I don't know, 18 to 35 years old. I'm like, hey, this is great. I'm like, now, you know, you have to know that English is not my first language is yes. Spanish. And so when I see the word discernment, I did not associate that to a vocation to the religious life. Oh, wow. For me, discernment is, yes, I want to discern, you know, what the Lord wants for me. And that's exactly where I was. Yes. So I called the phone number and it was uh, the uh, Life Awareness Retreat. Okay. And so they do an interview over the phone. And, you know, there was one question that was kind of odd. They were like, have you considered the priesthood? And I was like, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, when I was a kid, I, uh-huh. I said that, you know, to my parents. Yes. Oh, okay. And, you know, they told me, well, you know, uh, I have your name here. You know, these are the dates. Um, and I'm like, how much is it? It's free. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll be there, you know. So um, that retreat changed completely. Like that's where it, it was like the Lord was. Like, this is where I want you to be because this is where I will rock your life. So I did not know that it was a, a discernment, discernment retreat, that kind of discernment. Uh-huh. Well, I go there and I remember the first talk was by Father, I, I believe it was Father Mario Arroyo from uh, St. Cyril of Alexandria. Okay. And we were all there and it was Friday night and he told us something that I will always remember. He said, um, I just want you to know, I just want you to know something. Who in, the, in this world decides to spend a Friday night in a retreat? You're 18, you're 20, you're 25. Uh-huh. You're supposed to be in the bar. You're supposed to be, you know, just, you know, getting wasted and, you know, yeah, partying, partying and, and, yeah. and, and, uh, and you're here. You know, it's like, I just want you to think for a moment. Don't you find that interesting that the Lord is doing this for you? Uh The Lord wants you to shut up during this three days and to just listen. He's like, for the first time in your life, just be quiet. Uh Just be quiet and let him tell you what he wants to tell you. And this is the first time that I hear words so bluntly, you know, spoken. Uh and um and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. 
that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to shut up. I'm just going to, to really listen to the Lord. And at that time, I remember I had a journal and I was writing everything. And I mean, I'm telling you, Rudy, retreats are fantastic. Was it a silent retreat that you went to? Or? Part, part of it, it was silent, but, okay. uh, but we had a lot of conferences. And I mean, no, I guess there were only some hours that were silently because one of the fruits of that first retreat, it was, yes, my desire to think about the priesthood more seriously. But the other fruit were three friends uh, that were also discerning. Uh, none of them became uh, uh, a priest or a nun. There was a, a woman there. Uh, I was the only one eventually, but, uh, so you went in with three people that you knew. No, no, no. I met oh, them you there. Friends. Yes. Okay. I met them there. So that's one of the fruits of this retreat, okay. three friends. And, uh, and they were super Catholic. I mean, I thought, it, I, I thought I was super Catholic for, you know, coming from Mexico and, uh-huh. you know, Catholic culture and Catholic school, Catholic schools. Uh-huh. And all of it. I'm like, no, I don't know anything. And I don't. And, and I remember I said to myself and also like, I feel I'm only a Catholic when I'm in church or when I'm doing something that is church related. Mm-hmm. These, these guys here, they're Catholic 24-7. You know, they're Catholics in their jobs because they were, they were sharing me all this evangelization, uh-huh. you know, aspects that, uh, that, you know, they or anecdotes that they were experiencing at work, you know, um, not church related. You know, they had different jobs. Yes. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, when am I going to start just living fully my, my faith? And, it, you know, maybe I'm, I'm being exaggerated. Probably I was uh, doing that at work and whatnot, but, but not intentionally. And so, um, so this three friends, they introduced me to more friends that were, you know, in Catholic circles. And, and I was just learning so much. And, you know, that's when I, when I thought that these were the friends that the Lord wanted me to have to make me a better son of God. And so it's the family you were looking for here in the U S exactly. And that was a, the beginning of, of a deep discernment. Um, but I, I was very afraid. I'm like, okay, this is the first time that I really am considering the priesthood seriously. Uh-huh. I don't even know what, what am I supposed to to feel, you know, what am I, do I really have to hear Jesus's voice? You know, I mean, how, I don't even know. And I remember I was watching a lot of movies from saints. Uh-huh. I was, I, for the first time I read confessions from St. Augustine. Okay. And which, oh my gosh, St. Augustine is my favorite saint, he is uh, my patron saint that I, that I uh, acquired, uh, Actually, you know, the first time that I read Confessions and, um, and I was, I was like reading Aquinas. I didn't even know how to read the Summa. You know how the Summa is written? Uh, you know, there's a question, okay. and there's some objections and then the answers to the objections. Yes. And, and I was reading the objections and I'm like, I don't think this is Catholic. Do I really believe I, I was reading the objections <laughs> as the answers. <laughs> and then I felt so stupid, you know, when I found <laughs> But I was going, uh, I don't know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. to bed wow. because I was reading Aquinas and I was reading Confessions. And I'm like, my heart, I was reading uh, also uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Uh-huh. And, um, and I was reading a book on uh, a priest, uh, I forgot his name, Thomas something. 
uh, is God to be trusted, you know, and it was all about trusting the Lord that that's the best gift you can give him. Uh-huh. You know, I remember in the first page, it's like, what can you give to God that he doesn't already have? Mm-hmm. And he said, your trust. He doesn't have your trust. And you have to give that to him. That's the best gift you can give to him. But anyway, I was just like. You were absorbing I everything. I was absorbing everything. Yes. And I was just, okay, I was in love. Basically, I was falling in love with the Lord. Yes. Like, I've never fallen in love with any, anyone. Uh, it, was, it was a different kind of love, right? Mm-hmm. It was not um, uh, a love that, you know, that you just, you know, happen to have, you know, for your parents, which is amazing, right? But Yes. But it was, it was a love that, that it was more that I was receiving, basically, right? I mean, with, with God, uh, we're all passive, right? We're, we're, we're just receiving. Yes. And, and so for the first time, I was experiencing that. And I, I could not get enough, you know? And so um, there was a point that I said, okay, you know, I, I need to tell my parents what's going on in my heart. And so I, I only told my mom about this okay. because I, I said to myself and I said to my mom, don't tell my dad what's going on in my heart right now. <laughs> because if my dad knows, he's going to tell my aunt, his sister, of course, who's a solution. And at the time she was still alive. Uh-huh. Uh, and she is going to call me. She's going to be like, uh, you're going to be a priest. She's going to give you the hard sell. Yes. He, she <laughs> is going to pressure me. And I'm like, I don't want any pressure. If the Lord is calling me, I told my mom, I better hear his voice or I'm not entering. Uh-huh. Uh, and my mom, you know, she, uh, my mom doesn't cry, by the way. My mom, she, she wants to cry, but uh-huh. she can't cry. Okay. Like tears cannot. Really? Yeah. It's, <laughs> and so she was so funny because she's like, I'm crying. I'm literally crying, but <laughs> I can't cry. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, odd. No, that's odd. But uh, so anyway, she got really emotional about it. And I said, uh, I'll tell you, you know, when, when, when I'm ready, uh-huh. I just want you to pray for me, you know? And, I, and so I had my mom praying for me for almost a year. And, uh, and I remember after nine months or so, uh, she, she calls me and she's like, hey, I've been praying for, for this for so, so long. Like, you got to give me more updates. Um, what point did she tell your dad? Well, at, at that point when she called me okay. and, I, and I told, I told my mom, well, I, I got to tell you something that I just experienced uh, last week and which I'll share with you. So my home parish is St. John Vianney yes. in Houston and St. John Vianney has a 24 hour adoration chapel uh, okay. with an ex- exposition. And, um, and so I signed up uh, for every Thursday at midnight. Because I, I wanted to do a sacrifice for the Lord. Okay. And uh, so, so you, you, were, you were a teacher, right? Yeah. yeah, well, yes, but not in A-Leaf. In A-Leaf, okay. I was a, a teacher's aide. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. So, I mean, teachers know that working with children, you have to have energy. Right. I mean, you, you got to sleep. Oh. You got to sleep well <laughs> because you were waking yes. up early and, you know, it's a full day. Yep. And so I wanted to do a big sacrifice. And so my sacrifice was Thursday at midnight and, uh, you know, going to bed late and 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 uh, and, and waking up early, et cetera, you know, during the uh, school week, during the school week. Wow. So Thursday. So uh, as anyway, I told the Lord, I hope this sacrifice um, tells you, Lord, how desperate I am 
um, for you to to tell me, for you to tell me if I if I if I should go in or I should just forget about it and and because uh, I knew I knew you know that year that what the Lord wanted me to be was a saint, right? I mean that's what He wants from all for of everyone, us, yes. our holiness. Yes. So I had that clear, but I wanted to know if it was through the priesthood, right? Uh huh. And so. Um, I go to this adoration chapel as, as usual, and it was only me and a lady, but that day, that night, it was just me. And I'm like, Oh, you know, this, this lady's not here. So okay. you've done this for a couple of times already. Oh, uh, time. months. Okay. So yes. every Thursday. Yeah. Every Thursday. I, uh, yeah. For, I don't know, eight months, nine months. Wow. That's uh, a big sacrifice. A lot of people yes. don't realize that. Teachers, a lot of teachers go to sleep as early as nine or ten o'clock yes. because you gotta right. get up so early in the morning. Yes, kids it's are there true. seven o'clock sometimes. <laughs> but you know, and but that's why sacrifice is so crucial in the Christian life because when you do a sacrifice, you're basically, you know, putting yourself, your whole self, into that action. Yes, and that's why you you offer it up, right? Because mm-hmm. it it hurts. You know, it's it's like when it hurts, it's like you are really pouring yourself uh, into something. So, so you were there alone at 11? I was alone uh-huh. at, at midnight. And um, and I remember, you know, it was one o'clock and I was so sleepy. I'm like, okay. Oh, because this lady uh, would stay two hours. Okay. Uh, so she was not there. And I'm like, okay, maybe she's coming at 1 a.m. So at 1 a.m. and nobody's there, just oh. me. And, uh, and I could not leave yeah, the Lord alone. You have to hold the fort. Exactly. Yes. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is going to be interesting. What's going on? I'm sleepy. You know, I was just like complaining. Right. And then all of a sudden I just, you know, uh, I felt within me, it's like, can you stop complaining? You know, can you just enjoy the fact that nobody's here? Just you and the Lord. Yes. Right. I'm got like, personal time. Exactly. I'm like, you know what? You know, I said to myself, exactly. I'm just going to be there. So, um, and, but I was super sleepy. So I don't remember if I was asleep, uh, if I was sleeping or if I was awake, but, um, I think I was awake, um, because the Lord allowed me to have a, a vision. This is kind of like the, wow. a mystical experience. I think, you know, pretty much, uh, I would say 90% of the seminarians that I've met, uh-huh. they have at least one mystical experience in order in for during their discernment story okay because that's the most natural right yes. to experience the lord yes um not that doesn't mean you have to but uh most of us do and and so this is my mystical uh experience uh during my discernment so um the lord allowed me to have a vision so in front of me was the the altar with the monstrance there okay and i saw myself vested as a with the cope uh-huh. uh, that a priest wears for yes. adoration and i saw myself uh behind the altar raising the monstrance wow. bl- blessing the people and uh and when wow. i saw that i was just crying i was just crying and and that's why i know i was not uh sleeping and um and i and at that moment i understood within my heart or I heard within my heart this this voice that said, "I want you to bless my people with my body and blood." Wow! 
And so when I, when I hear that within me, when I see that, because I'm a visual person, I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> so uh-huh. I, I, the Lord knew that I had to see, you know, yes. more than hearing, yes. you know, I, I needed to see. And when I saw that beautiful image, again, I was crying and I said, okay, okay, Lord, uh, I think I, I, I want to become a priest. So, but, you know, the next morning, uh, you know, I was, I, I was just super happy and joyful and everything. But then after a week, uh, that sentiment kind of faded and fear started coming back. Uh, I, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not that simple when you, when you're 27, 28, because you, 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 you want to rationalize so many things. Uh-huh. And I think also as men, you know, we, we tend to rationalize everything. And, yes. And it just, you, you put yourself into a position of, you know, what am I supposed to do? But, um, so I, I went to another retreat. Uh, one of my best friends, Tony, he, uh, he was part of this young adult group from the co-cathedral and we met there and he was also discerning. He's, he told me about this retreat. He's like, hey, let's go, let's go together. And I remember the retreat again started on a Friday uh, and I had just come from school and I was dead tired. Uh-huh. And I was just, I said, okay, I'm going to take a nap and then I'm going to, you know, do my luggage in order to go to this retreat. Yes. Well, I woke up at 6.15. I'm like, oh my gosh, the retreat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so and I had like five missed calls from Tony. <laughs> oh no. And, uh, and I call him and I said, hey, I just woke up. I'm super tired. He's like, come, come, come. Nothing has started. I'm like, I haven't even done my, my luggage and, yeah. and uh, packed my bag and nothing. And, uh, and he's like, do it, do it, do it. I'm like, no, I think I'll pass. Do it. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I'll do it. So that retreat was the one that after that retreat, I, I talked to father dad, father uh-huh. dad was the vocation director. And he told me, well, you know, let's start with the whole process. So we went through interviews and paperwork and all of that. And after that retreat, after that retreat. Thank you, Tony. I know. I know. For I pushing I, you. And I, I, he knows, he knows that. He knows that he he had to do a lot with uh, with my vocation. Wow! And um, sometimes you need that just one yes, person pushing you. Yes, yes. Do it. Go to the retreat. Just throw your stuff in yeah. the back bag yeah. and completely, completely. That's awesome. And then you so you said you met Father Dad. Yeah, I met Father Dad, and and uh, what well, he was there at that retreat because uh-huh. that this retreat was at the seminary. So now I knew that this retreat was definitely for okay. discerning. So this one you knew yeah, exactly. was for discerning. Yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one was, you kind of fell yeah, into exactly. it. Exactly. That was God. It was God. You know, this was, you know, definitely God, but I, I cooperated with, with that. I, I imagine that first retreat, you walking in wide-eyed like, oh, everybody here wants to be a priest or a, I know, or a like, sister or something. About? It was, it was a I just, strange experience. I just wanted sure. a free retreat. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, this one, yeah, no, this one was, it was great. Uh, it was a, again, a three day retreat. It was a silent retreat. This one okay. had more moments of, of silent, more than, more than talks or anything. So that also helped a lot. And, um, so however, uh, you know, during my process, there were, there were, uh, within maybe three months of applying, uh, father, dad calls me. And he was afraid that I was in a, in a spiritual high. And so he tells me, you know, you may want to consider wait for another year. You know, now that, you know, you think you're sure, you mm-hmm. know, just 
just wait. And I was devastated. I said, oh my gosh, like I, I was willing to just leave everything, right? Leave okay. um, my, my school, my work, my life. Uh, and, and, and here I, I hear this, but to me, it has always been very comforting that, and I think this was Father Dad's words. It's like, okay, now you discern. Uh-huh. Now the church will discern, wow. right? And so to me, that kind of gave me peace, but you know, I'm a human being. So yes. obviously I was devastated about that waiting. And so during, during uh, the next two months, uh, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to seminary this, this year. And um, so two things happened. My principal, my school principal, uh, she offered me a different position as a language arts, uh, ESL, sorry, specialist. Okay. So uh, she's like, uh, are you willing to go through the certification? There's a lot of money that, you know, we will pay for you, but you uh-huh. got to tell me if you really, I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll do it. You know? Uh, so, yeah. Cause ESL is a big thing. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I was in that certification process and then the next month I receive an email from my ex boss in Mexico. Okay. I, I was working in a small animation studio. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, it, to my surprise, like, what is this guy emailing me now after four years, five years? Uh-huh. And, uh, and he, he told me, Hey, how's it going? Uh, I just got to tell you there, there are many things, you know, that has been happening, have been happening. One of the biggest projects that I'm involved now is, is, for the first time, I'm going to be part of this animated film. Okay. And that it, it, this studio uh, from, from California, uh, they want, I forgot exactly where it was from. They want only Mexican artists or the majority of them, they want Mexican artists because the theme is, is uh, it's something about Mexican culture. Okay. So I right away thought of you. Wow. And so... Uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my lifetime opportunity, right? Yeah, this I mean, is the dream. This is a dream. This is, a, this is why I, w- I came to America. Yes. And now the invitation was to go back to Mexico uh-huh. and work in this project, you know, a movie. Yes. And so I was like, what is this about? And by the way, the movie was uh, The Book of Life. I don't know if you know that. It was about the El Dia de los Muertos. Yes. Like, like Coco came afterwards, yes. but this was first. This, this, came, this one came first. Okay. And uh, so. I thought you were going to say it was Coco. No, it was the Book of Life, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, it was a but good still, movie, by the yeah. way. yeah. But anyway, I, I was like, okay, back to Adoration Chapel. Uh-huh. Back to Adoration Chapel. I'm going to present to the Lord. What is he doing in my life? Why am I getting so many options? Yes. You know? And, uh, and I told the Lord, it's like, okay, Lord, you got to help me here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be insane. You know, it's like, okay, ESL specialist that I have a career in the education field, which I I like, and I have passion for the seminary, you know, now they, they want me to wait for another year. What's going to happen a year. I don't even know. Yeah. And now for the first time, this opportunity of becoming an animator was becoming a real thing. Wow. And I'm like, what's going on? And I remember at that moment, I heard within me, I just want your, I just want you to be holy and I want you to be happy and I will bless you 
no matter what you choose. Uh-huh. I will bless you no matter what you choose. I'm letting you choose because I, I will be there. Yes. You know, this is about holiness. This yes. is about becoming, you know, uh, a saint. And this is about service anyway, yes. right? Loving your neighbor mm-hmm. completely, giving your life. And so I said, you're right, Lord. And I said, no, I choose you through the priesthood, right? That was a, probably my, the first moment that I, I think the Lord wanted me to, to really, really desire the priesthood okay. like never before. And taking the chance that maybe next year I was not going to be invited to, to enter a seminary. I don't know. But okay. I, so I, I replied to my boss. I told him about that I was thinking about the priesthood. And, yes. And, um, and Did then that surprise I, him? Yeah. Well, you know, he told me that this doesn't surprise me. I always saw that you were a very spiritual guy. Uh-huh. I always, you know, talking about the Lord with, uh-huh. with, with me. And, and uh, so uh, he said he was going to pray for me. He was a good, he's a good, good man. He's a uh-huh. good Catholic. So, um, and then I told my, my principal about what I was thinking and I did not know she was a Catholic, you know, for four years working for her yes. and I never knew that she was Roman Catholic. Uh-huh. So she was so happy when I shared that with her. <laughs> and so she, she told me, don't worry if you need to leave. She's like, what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm not going to fight God, you know? Yes. So go, go for it. So don't worry. And if you become a ESL specialist, well, that's great. And I'm like, but I'm worried about the money. And she's like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I'm like, okay. So I had peace, right? Yes. And <laughs> Within probably weeks, within weeks of all this, father, dad calls me and is like, hey, guess what? If you are still interested in entering this year, the doors are open. Wow. I'm like, wow. This was just a test, you know? It was. It was just a test. There was no question about it. And uh, so I entered that same year in um, uh, 2012 uh, to the seminary. And how old were you at that point? I was 29, 28, 29. Pretty late. Yeah. To the seminary. Because if I'm not mistaken, all of the priest guests that we've had and even the the deacons, the transitional deacons that we've had, most of them was in their late teens or early 20s that they decided Mm -hmm. to enter the seminary. So this was really late. So a lot of the guys you were with, some of them were, you know, much younger than you, I suppose. That's right. That's right. Yes, definitely. And also going back to school, that was, uh, well, there were many challenges. I mean, again, English is not my first language. And I never thought that I was going to be able to be, you know, studying, learning philosophy, which is a language in itself. Yes. In English. <laughs> I honestly, you know, uh, there, there is a classmate of mine, Father Jose Alonso. And, you know, he's from Guatemala. I'm, I'm from Mexico. And we both uh, agree that there's no question that the Lord was helping us big time because we, we did well in, in our tests. Uh-huh. You know, we, we were ex- succeeding as, as students. And I think it was because we were so afraid that we were, you know, all the time, you know, studying and, you know, uh, but. Uh, like overcompensating. Correct. With studying yes. because you were afraid of. Yes, exactly. That barrier, the language barrier. And, uh, so, but it was, um, it was, that was a gift in itself, you know, that the Lord was helping me, uh, 
at, you know, studying in a university in, uh-huh. in, in the U.S. Um, so beautiful, a lot of miracles, a lot of uh, uh, signs of God's love uh, since I entered the seminary. And um, great, great uh, seminarians there. Uh, um, you know, I, it just, uh, it was a, it was a blast. Uh, so you went to Dallas? Experience. It was Dallas, okay. uh, Holy Trinity Seminary in Irving. Yes. And, uh, and you were there for how many years? Two years. Two years. Yes. Since you already had a degree, you just Correct. had to go It was only for two, two years. years for philosophy. Okay. And um, I remember, uh, I'm very, very, not quick, but it, when I like an institution, I just wear the, we, we say in, in Spanish, me pongo la camiseta. I just wear the, the shirt of, uh-huh. of that university, meaning, you know, I'm, I'm married to it, you know, and yes. I will defend, you know, You're this institution. Yes. Yeah, I'm all in. And uh, that's how I felt. Um, so, and I took advantage because um, I did not know that I, that I was able to get extra credits uh, just hearing uh, the, the classes without, it, without actually uh, being tested or whatever. Okay. So a friend of mine, Matthew, Matt Ty, uh, another, uh, best friend that I met in there, he's not married. Uh, he works at, at St. Edward's, uh, and, uh, okay. I married him, uh, recently. Oh, nice. So yeah, really, really cool. Uh, but anyway, so him and I were, we're like, yeah, let's take advantage. Uh, and so we, we took, uh, Old Testament prophets, uh, right there at the University of Dallas because they had excellent uh theologians as professors that's awesome and anyway it was again when you're in love right with your church with the faith with the lord nothing is enough nothing seems to be enough and and that's how i feel even right now i mean the priesthood is it's is jesus uh-huh. so how can you get enough from him so while you're in dallas you're in the discernment process of course because it's not you know, a lot of the the priests and the deacons that have, that we've mm-hmm. had on the on the program, they say that you know it's still a whole process. You're not, you know, a priest yet. You've got years yes. to go and a lot of, of formation. Yes. Did you did did you have experience with girls at the university? Did you find that they were all, all of a sudden all these girls are showing up? They're coming out of the woodwork. Did you did you have any of those types of experiences where you were tempted to? Oh, I see. No, 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 I, I was not, um, I, I, it didn't really happen. And again, I think, you know, seminarians experience graces, uh, in many multiple ways. Uh-huh. Uh, and like I shared with you, I received the grace of every time that I was alone with the Lord or in mass, uh-huh. I experienced within my heart that you just have to go through this but I want you to be a priest. I always heard that in, within my heart. So that assurance, you know, I guess, you know, that kind of helps. Um, but no, no, I never, I never really doubted that that, that was uh, one of the sacrifices that the Lord was um, asking of me. Okay. And again, uh, I go back to, to the theme of love. Um, I, you know, I guess right now love is one of those words that are extremely distorted in culture. Yes. And you probably think that uh, a love that is spiritual, uh, it's not going to satisfy you. Um, but it does. It does. 
Uh, I'm not saying that obviously there are there are moments of of weakness of you know temptations, but that love when when it comes to you, you're like you kind of say what what Saint Peter says. Mm-hmm. To whom shall I go? You know, you have words of eternal life. It's like no. Uh, so it's really really interesting. Um, obviously, you have to to spend time in prayer and. It's very easily for for priests to suddenly, even for seminarians, believe it or not, but uh, now that I'm a priest, I can say for priests, um, that when you are so involved in the work of of the Lord, Uh then the first thing that you start uh, removing from your day is prayer. And then there's a red flag because it's like, wait, you are removing what sustains you, your yes. vocation. Yeah. You, you, it's like a car without, you know, fuel. It's like, what, why are you doing that to yourself? Right. Um, and so, um, that, that's crucial. So for any temptations, that's, you have to take it to prayer. You have to spend time with the Lord uh-huh. and, you know, tying it up with this theme of love, you know, the Eucharist is the sacrament of love. Yes. And so we need, we need his love. You know, that's it. Okay. Now, another thing that, that a lot of the, the priests and deacons have spoken about on our show is, quote, unquote, chalice chippers. Did you have any experience? You're a good looking guy. Is, uh, were there girls in the university who were after um, they see a, a, a seminary and say, oh, he would make a good husband. Maybe I could, you know, you know convince him otherwise. I never had any girl after me in, 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 in the seminary. Did you have any situations where you weren't sure how to speak to a girl? Like, let's say you met one and no, I've had never, to, you know, probably, uh, put I mean, it in the conversation that, Hey, I'm a seminarian. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, you know, I, uh, I told you at the beginning of the, of the interview that, um, when I was in school, uh, I, I didn't want to go to an old boys school. Yes. And, and that I, where the school where I was studying, I like to be part of like different little groups and, 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 and just kind of see the diversity of, of people. I never want to, because I, I, I think it's, it's, it's part of me. Like I find people interesting. Okay. Like extremely interesting. And so I want to, I want to talk to anyone. Yes. So I never really had any issues, you know talking to a girl and, and not, you know, I don't know, you know, opening way for her to, you know, fall in love or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But even, and if, you know, somebody liked me, they never said anything. So that was not, that was definitely not an, an issue. So in your seminary. time in Dallas, it was pretty straightforward, pretty smooth. Yes. You're just absorbing yes. and learning. Completely. And then after, I was not wasting time. Yeah. After definitely. those two years, you came back to Houston. Yes. And you, you were in the seminary here. Yes, that's right. At, at uh, St. Mary's Seminary. And that was a different experience, completely different experience. Why is that? Well, first, because I was, uh, I was back home, right? I mean, uh-huh. I considered Houston home. And so I was back home and, and just uh, uh, not only being at the seminary, but also uh, hanging out with, with my friends outside the seminary and with families and and. And, you know, that I knew and they, and they were, they wanted to know about me. It, it was, 
I kind of felt more support. And again, the love of the people uh-huh. that I told you that helped shape, you know, my heart as a pastor. Uh, it all happened when I moved back here to Houston at St. Mary's. Now, the experience at the seminary, um, well, that was a time to grow, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, kind of like get to know your brothers that, you know, they're going to be in this diocese, you know, yes. for many years. So that's, that's always really good. Even, you know, some of them that discern out and I still talk to them and, and, uh, so great times, you know, um, in regards to, to the, uh, academics, uh-huh. it was, uh, uh, I, I experienced, um, much easier than university of Dallas. Uh, maybe that's not the case now. I don't know. There, there are, there are some changes now, but it was, um, again, I think St. Mary's for me was more the goal of, uh, forming a heart of a pastor, you know, that uh, notion of academics and, you know, getting smarter and smarter. That was, I mean, maybe I was doing that without wanting it, but Uh because you're, you're reading all the time, you're doing essays, you're going to classes, you know, but that was not my, my goal. In University of Dallas, yes, it was more academic oriented and I took advantage of it and and I liked it. But St. Mary's, it was, it was more, um, yeah, it was a more communal aspect and and, um, and, and yeah, you know, just help, help or allowing your, your heart to be shaped. Uh, so you're pretty much secluded there in St. Mary's, right? Yes. yes. While you're there. So it's all just a whole bunch of, mm-hmm. um, men who are discerning priesthood. Yeah, that's right. Now, one of the things that we, we've spoken about with not just the deacons and priests, but even like the older priests are the pranks that happen at <laughs> In the seminary, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of young guys. I wish I could give you, uh, uh, material for your interview. Unfortunately, no, you were not involved in any pranks. I was not involved in pranks. You were not, not, were you pranked yourself? I was involved. I mean, not, not personally, (laughs) but the whole seminary, I know if, if somebody already shared with you, uh, the prank, but, um. They removed all the cushions of the chapel's pew for Lent. <laughs> oh so my. one day we all woke up and there were no cushions. Okay. You know, it was, I guess, for penance, right? Yes. Because oh, for the kneelers. Yeah, not the kneelers, the, the cushions to where you oh, sit. Seat. Okay. Yeah, so they removed, they're, they're green. They, okay. they removed them. And uh, so it was just, uh, it was a prank for the whole seminary and whatnot. But it, uh, it was, it was, it was fun. Um, That's not so bad. It's not so bad. Actually, it helped the acoustics for our chanting. I was, um, you know, St. Mary Seminary, you know, something that I, that I want to highlight mm-hmm. is my formation in liturgy uh, through, through Alexis Katarna, the director of music at the time, Father Earthman, who was the, the head of, of the liturgy at the time there. And I think he went back. Now he's still the, the head of liturgy. Okay. And um, he was studying in Rome, a uh, doctorate, and now he's back. And uh, my liturgical formation there, especially music, chant, um, uh-huh. I had the opportunity to become for two years, consecutive years, the, uh, the music coordinator for the Spanish ensemble because every Wednesday uh, there's Spanish mass. 
Okay. Or there was Spanish mass. I don't know if they still do it. And, uh, and, um, and that was, that was great because I'm, I'm just going to share this. There are, uh, there is, there are a lot of songs in the Spanish mass that they don't belong to the liturgy. They, okay. they, they are, there are like, uh, songs that are more, more for devotional aspects of the Christian life. Okay. Uh, and some of them, they sound like, like you want, you just want to dance. Okay. You know, it's like, okay, let's dance and, you know, let's, let's enjoy time, you know? Yes. Uh, but they're not suited for the mass. But unfortunately, uh, that is what most parishes have. Okay. And so that's what we, that's what uh, St. Mary's had. So when I became the music director, I mean, the music coordinator, I saw that many seminarians who were not exposed to the Mexican culture, they, they were laughing. They were laughing at the, at the songs, at the melody. Okay. And, you know, for the first time, I, 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 I said to myself, you know, I am, I am Mexican. I am Hispanic. Yes. And I think I, this, um, I, I kind of owe a certain uh, correction to to how we are perceived in the liturgy. Yes. Because this music I did not grow up with in, in Mexico. Okay. So it doesn't define, you know, what liturgy is in, okay. in Mexico entirely. First of all, we don't, we don't even have piano in, in Mexican parishes. We do have the guitar, uh-huh. uh, but, but we don't have the piano. And so when you have all these songs and in piano, you just want to dance, you know? Yes. And it's funny. It, dis, it's, it disrupts the, the prayer. So yeah, I, don't, I, did it, the, I never took it yeah. personal, you know, when some seminarians were, were criticizing it because uh-huh. I was criticizing it too. Okay. And so, but, 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 to, but for me, it was more like, I need to do something. You know, I'm the music coordinator. I need to yeah. do something about this. So one of the great fruits uh, of being there is that I fell in love with the antiphons. I don't know if you're familiar with what, what the no. antiphons are. So as you know, the prayer of the mass comes from a book, a red book called the Roman Missal. Yes. And that's where, you know, all the prayers are. Well, well the antiphons are those prayers or, or those, um, you know, paragraphs that happen to be at the entrance of the mass. Okay. And then also uh, before communion. Okay. So you have two antiphons within the Roman Missal, the entrance antiphon and the communion antiphon. Okay. And these are beautiful excerpts from scripture or sometimes from some words of the saints. Yes. That relate to the mass of that day. Yes. And so I fell in love with those in English. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm just going to find some resources uh, in Spanish. Okay. Well, uh, that year I went to Mexico and I went to the Institute for Sacred Music in my hometown, which is uh, fairly important in Mexico. So I said, if somebody has something, it's going to be there. They told me, no, we don't have any antiphons in Spanish. Mm. You know, if, if parishes want to use the antiphons, they will chant them in, in Latin, not in Spanish. Okay. So long story short, I said, you know what, how difficult would it be to compose this antiphons based on the original from the Latin, but in Spanish? Yes. So I did a couple of them. You composed them? I composed them. Wow. And I present these to Alexis Katarna, the the music director at Uh the time. 
And she's like, who did this? And I'm like, I did it. This is very well done. It's very well done. So she encouraged me and she taught me a little bit more about chant. And, you know, I was reading also on my uh -huh. own. And uh, long story short, you know, I learned about the eight modes of Gregorian modes and that each mode has a different feeling. Uh -huh. And anyway, long story, each mode differentiates of the notes that are uh, leading the chant okay. and the last uh, note. So if it's mode one, it ends in a certain note. If it's okay. mode eight, it ends in a different mode and whatnot. So I learned all of those things and I uh, embarked myself into the task of composing many antiphons. So in the seminary, I composed probably 15 antiphons. Wow. And then uh, when I uh, got out from the seminary, one of the fruits of this pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, we were talking you know, about the fruits of the pandemic uh, when we said hello. And uh, one of the fruits, uh, I said, the church is closed. Uh -huh. I don't have a lot to do. I'm yes. going to compose antiphons. So I actually finished uh, wow. all the antiphons from the Roman Missal. Wow. And uh, so it's a project that uh, Cardinal DiNardo already approved. Wow. So I'm, I'm really excited That's about uh, presenting it to all the all the, uh, you know, Spanish speaking countries. And so they could use here. it all over the world. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, wow. especially here. I That's mean, amazing. my main, um, I guess, uh, target is the archdiocese of uh -huh. Galveston, Houston. And even some parishes it, are even doing if it, it was just here in the archdiocese. Yeah, amazing. no, I'm, I'm super excited. And, um, so. Have yeah. you always been musical? No. And this is, <laughs> okay. I must say, going back to what we were talking about, the graces that we receive. That you never imagined. Yes. This is one of them. I, I mean, I remember I liked singing before uh -huh. seminary, but I was not, I was not good. I was not a good, and I'm saying that I'm good now, but I'm definitely way better than how I used to be. Okay. And, uh, but to compose music, yeah. I'm like, Lord, I mean, this is just you <laughs> wanting me for whatever reason, uh, you want me to do this. Wow. So you'd never composed anything before? Nothing. I, I don't even play in any instrument. Wow. I don't play any instrument. That's crazy. So this is something like I, I, I'm very surprised. I'm very grateful for the Lord, but I understand that this is, this is something not uh, uh, for my own glory or, you know, like as a matter of fact, I'm not planning to sell this antiphonary, uh -huh. it's called. I mean, if I, if, if I ended up publishing it physically, uh-huh then people would pay for, for the book itself, yes. but not, I'm not making any profit out of it. Um, so, so That's we'll amazing. see. I just want people to use them, you know? Um, I don't know if you want to listen to some, That's a, yeah. do, you, do you want me to sing one? Oh, definitely. Okay. Please. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, so I'm going to do a kind of like an exercise for people to understand. So I will chant the original in Latin. And then I will chant it in, uh, in Spanish so that you know that I based it on the original. Okay. okay. So this is a communion antiphon uh, that you can sing at any, any mass. Quim cat carnem heam et bibit san winem in 
Spanish. El que come mi carne y bebe mi sangre tiene vida eterna, dice el Señor, y yo lo resucitaré en el último día. So, you can see how it's based on yes. the original, but it's in, in Spanish, which is different in the Roman Missal. You know, it's a little bit shorter uh -huh. anyway. So basically that is a project, right? All uh -huh. this antiphons, uh, I, I put the melody that it's based on the original, uh, but uh, Gregorian chant, uh, you cannot just fit the text into a melody. That's actually an abuse of, of principles of Gregorian chant. Okay. The, the principle of Gregorian chant to compose uh, Gregorian uh, melody is that the words themselves, they have in their essence an innate sound. And the composer is at the service of the word. Okay. You know, it kind of works also that I'm at the service of Jesus, the word, right? Nice. So you just draw the melody, you know, for example, the word uh, amigo. Right? Okay. That word amigo has already a melody in itself. You know, mm. you don't say amigo or yes. you don't say amigo. Yes. Amigo, right? So, yes. ah, amigo, right? You can, okay. you can just draw you the melody yes. from the, the essence of the word. So that's basically the, the job of a, of a, a Gregorian chant uh, composer. Um, what did that mean, what you... What you sang earlier? Oh, uh, the translation. Oh, I can that. I can chant it from Adam Bartlett. Okay, in the the version in in English. Please, yeah. Please so, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, says the Lord. That's, that's what it says. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, no problem. For the benefit of our non-Latin speakers. Uh, there you go. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I assume everybody knew Latin or Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I, I still can't get over the fact that you just like, yeah, let me just compose. You know, <laughs> you know, because chant is so simple. It uh -huh. is simple. You know, um, I'm not saying it's easy to chant. Uh huh. Um, it is easy, even. Uh, Children, you know, at St. Teresa's in Sugarland, that that school, uh -huh. they have a choir. Yes. And these are small children and they're chanting in, in Latin and they do it better than adults, you know, better than the seminarians <laughs> and, <laughs> and the priests. So it is, it, it's easy to, to a certain extent, but sometimes, and especially in our culture, we tend to complicate everything. Okay. And so sometimes when simplicity is in front of you, you don't know what to do with it. Mm. And you complicate it. Oh. And so sometimes what is simple becomes complex. But it's just a mind shift. You're like, no, it's simple. You know, I mean, I don't know if you hear some, uh, for example, mariachi songs, you know, they, yes. there's a lot of vibrato, and it's like, uh, 
you know, yeah, like yeah. opera, <laughs> you know, the opera is super difficult, right? Yes. It's a lot of vibrato, but chant is, it's less, right? Less is more. It's, it's more. Okay. Elke, you know, you're not, you know, you know, so it's, it's, it's simple. Uh, and that also, it's a principle that helps us to live our life, you know, um, what seems to be complicated for the world, mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't know, you know, celibacy or, um, you know, embracing an illness and suffering, you know, what seems to be very complicated for the world in Christ, you know, you, 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 you see the simplicity mm -hmm. and you fall in love. Like, no, don't fight it. Don't fight it. You know, just accept, accept and be at the service of the word, Jesus. So when did you write this, uh, compose this? You were in the seminary? In or? the seminary I started and okay. then I did some compositions during my breaks, uh, okay. uh, during my vacations as a priest, because people don't know this, but priests have vacations. Uh -huh. um, and so we... Uh, we do different things, hobbies, and this this has become, I guess, one of my hobbies. And uh, and now with the pandemic, you know, those uh, months, that month or two months uh, yes. or three months, I forgot how when many. When it months. first started, yes, yes, exactly. I think it was like three months, right? That, the lockdown, that the whole lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had twenty four hours each day, so I I took advantage of that. So, so you were in the seminary. Um, what was your parish life like? You. I understand seminarians sometimes they spend time at parishes. What parish did you oh, yes. serve at? Oh yeah, that's uh, actually a great experience. Uh, we call it a pastoral year. Yes, and uh, I was at San Ignatius of Loyola in spring with under Father Norbert Maduzia's uh, parish uh, leadership. Um, I had a blast um, again. You know, speaking of receiving the love of the people, oh my gosh, pastoral year is just, you're just, I'm, I, my heart was just melting every single day. Um, they, particularly that parish, you know, they love seminarians. Um, they support them with their prayers. They actually daily mass, they, they always pray for vocations after mass. Um, one of the beautiful things that I was able to contribute dur during that pastoral year is that St. Ignatius of Loyola uh, is a parish that was not, uh, that was not uh, offering Spanish Mass since they opened uh -huh. um, in 1980 or 70. I forgot when. And not um, had a Spanish Mass. They didn't mass have a Spanish Mass. So that year... Father Norbert decided to open one Spanish mass every Sunday. That's awesome. So can you imagine the amount of work I had? I mean, speaking about, you know, getting ministry, yes. uh, lay ministers, uh, getting the lectors. So that was all, your project. That was my project. Just uh, how to, how to uh, also involve, you know, the Anglo community into mm. this new Hispanic traditions. And uh, obviously the biggest one is Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh -huh. who, for the first time, that parish honored Our Lady of Guadalupe in the Hispanic way, meaning That's with awesome. a procession, with the mañanitas, yes, with yes. Uh, the play of of uh, the story of San Juan Diego, and in uh, a, a beautiful solemn mass, you know, honoring our our Guadalupana, which uh, I, I'm a I'm from Mexico, so yes. you can imagine yes. my love for Our oh. Lady of Guadalupe. I mean, close I, to your heart, definitely. Oh yeah. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was a transitional deacon before I became a priest, I visited my parents for for Christmas, and I went with two of my sisters to Mexico City to the Basilica uh-huh. uh, to consecrate my upcoming uh, ministry in the yes. priesthood to her. So awesome. I am uh, consecrated to Our Lady Guadalupe. My ministry is consecrated to her, and every time I I'm you know going to rough times in my uh-huh. priesthood, I always go to her, and she never fails. And now, speaking of devotions. I am in love with St. Joseph. Oh my goodness. A, oh. <laughs> a, priest, a priest friend of mine. He is probably, um, I've never met a priest that is so in love with St. Joseph. And every time I speak to him and, and, and he talks about his, his, his love for him and, and his trust, you know, to, he calls him my Lord and my father uh-huh. to St. Joseph. Well, you know, those are big words, yes. but, you know, Lord also has to do with, uh, you know, a certain authority, right? Yes. So, but anyway, so, uh, he is the one who has been leading me and I already did my consecration to St. Joseph. Um, I don't know if you're familiar yes. with that. Yes. And now we're in the, you know, beautiful year of St. Joseph yes. of, uh, 2021. And it's be- just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I've never experienced so much, uh, trust in a saint. And, uh, and that, that's what I'm getting with St. Joseph. Now, this pastoral year, when you were, you know, trying to start the whole uh, Spanish or mass in Spanish, mm-hmm. did you encounter any resistance? Because a lot of old churches, they don't want to make changes. Yes. You know, a lot of the, the parishioners have been there all their lives. Yes. They're kind of averse to any change whatsoever. Right. Did you, did you encounter any resistance I, or difficulty? I did. I did. Not extremely. But yes, obviously there were, there were some parishioners that they didn't really understand, you know, why, why we have to change. And it's not something that they had something against Hispanics or, you know, Spanish speaking Catholics. Yeah. Some people just don't like change they at just, all. Exactly. And that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. They didn't want any change. They didn't want anything. And, uh-huh. and so, which I can understand that, you know, uh, especially old parishioners who have been in, in their parish. I mean, that's their home. Yeah. This so, is the way we've always exactly, done it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think it really helped, uh, the approach of father Norbert because, um, he is bilingual. Okay. And so it was not like he was trying to have two parishes in one, uh-huh. but you know, he is a true pastor of both communities. You know, yes. he was able to preach in Spanish. He was able to be with them. And also uh-huh. me, you know, I'm, fully bilingual, yes. thanks be to God. And so I was able to do that. So they would see me that I, that I did not have a preference of, oh, you know, Spanish speaking parishioners, these are my, my favorites or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've always been uh, a person that I just love everyone. So I, I don't see any, any differences in, in that. Now, obviously about my amount of time because of, of this project, yes, yeah. I would, I would be you know, more in the, with Devoted, the Spanish yeah. speaking. However, for the, this is something unbelievable for the, uh, procession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Father Norbert and I, we were talking about this. It was 50, 50, 50% Anglos uh-huh. showed up at 5 30 AM with their candles uh-huh. and flowers and 50% were Spanish speaking. So this That's was awesome. the first time, uh, I mean, we, we, we got emotional about this because 
the whole church was just everyone, everyone was, was there honoring Fantastic. our lady in Guadalupe. Yeah. So beautiful signs of unity. Yes. So. so you were there, how many years were you into your, um, you know, sem seminary life when you had spent this pastoral year? I, uh, Four years. Four After years four into, years into seminary. So yeah. finally you're working at a <laughs> yes. parish after four years. Yes. This is what you were waiting for. Was it difficult to go back yes. to the seminary after yes. that one amazing year? Completely. Completely. Um, it, was, uh, it was like, Lord, I don't want to leave the parish. And, you know, I was already, you know, studying. And, and again, that academic mentality it was, it was a little bit less, um, um, more, it was less, uh, just aiming for a degree and it was more, um, my energy is like, okay, what does this have to do with me being a pastor? Uh -huh. You know, what does the, uh, or a priest, you know, uh, what does this have to do with, uh, the homily that I will preach next Sunday? So it, it having a pastoral year, uh, allowed me to have my pastoral lenses or parish lenses. Mm. And I was, you know, for my two last years in seminary, everything was filtered through parish. Yes. Because I'm a diocesan, right? So it's yes. all about parish life. Yes. And so that helped me because it's like, okay, you know, I love academics and don't take me wrong. I, I, I I'm still, I'm a nerd. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know about the Liturgical Institute in Mandalorian Seminary, but they have amazing online courses that are literally classes. I'm, I'm taking classes. Nice. You know, like I'm always, You're still learning. I love academics, but it, it almost seems like uh, what it did to me that pastoral year is like to filter everything that I'm learning. And it's like, okay, why, how is this going to be good for parishioners? Now you know how, that. Yes. Yes. Even like the differences of, uh, uh, you know, called so-called uh, spiritualities, right? In, in plural, uh, charismatic, you know, spirituality and whatnot. I, now I want to learn about that because not for me, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a charismatic um, uh, spirituality, if you want to call it like that. But I know that I'm not a priest for myself, right? Yes. I'm a priest for everyone. And I know that there's a large group of people who they find in charismatic movements, uh -huh. The presence of the Lord. Yes. And one day, if God willing, I am a pastor, I will be, you know, leading them. So I need to know, yes. you know what they, what they, what, what is their movement about. So before that, before that pastoral year, you were mm -hmm. just learning, but you For didn't, myself. you didn't know there was no yes. lens, like you said. And now after this one year, you've got that lens yes. and you can see all how you're learning will go into your life as a priest. Correct. A priest is a man of God uh -huh. for others. And so what I was learning before my pastoral year, it was all for me, for me, for me, for me. But now after my pastoral, or when I finished my pastoral year, everything was for them, for them, for them. You know, I'm learning this for them. How, yes. how am I going to deliver this? You know, this would be a great catechetical, you know, lecture uh -huh. for the people, you know, et cetera. So, it was an interesting shift uh, after my my life in the parish for the first time. So now you're more eager Super. for those last two years. Oh Just yeah, more eager. Just oh, oh, want to get goodness, back into, yes. want to absorb as much as you can. Mm -hmm. um, you you talked earlier about 
um, friends that you had met in the seminary that had discerned out? Was it difficult seeing them leave? Yes, of course. Um, that process, you know, perhaps, I don't know if you can invite someone in your show to share that experience because it's tough. It's tough. It's, it, I would, you know, in my conversations with them, I, I kind of equated that to uh, breaking up with, uh, with a girlfriend. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> because it's something that you had so many uh, desires for. Uh, you saw a future. Oh, you were making plans. You were, you were making plans. Yes. And um, I mean, you, everything that you were living was, you know, when I become a priest, you know, blah, blah. Oh. So, and then finally there's, you know, shadows, you know, there's uh, darkness, you know, it's like, what's happening now to myself, you know, where yes. am I supposed to go? Um, I mean, it is easier, I, I would say, I would use the word easier for those seminarians who leave because they found out that they were meant to do X, Y, Z. Yes. Uh, but it becomes tougher, more difficult for those who they just know that the Lord is not calling them. It's not right for them. They don't know yeah. what's coming for them. Oh, they, yes. They're just sure that they're not going to become priests. You're so right. So that's yeah. really tough. So I experienced like both uh, uh, cases with, with, uh, with this, friends. this friends. Wow, so, you're right. It's like, it is like that. Like you break up with a girl. Yeah. And you don't know who the next, you know, who your yeah. future girlfriend is. Like, okay, yeah. turns out I'm not going to marry just, her after all. You're just all. alone. You don't see yeah. yourself with anyone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So it's tough. Uh, but now uh, all these friends are super happy. Uh, they're married. <laughs> of course. Hey. They're married. And uh, it just wasn't for them. And yeah. they found what was for them That's eventually. Right. That's right. That's right. And uh, but it know, must be tough for you to see them go. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, you, you kind of have the priesthood as a link, you know, yes, uh, with, with his friends. And then suddenly that link is not there. Uh, but uh, if there are your friends, then you're going to find other links too, you know, yes. other, other ways to, to connect. And, and that's what has. One thing that um, one of the deacons that was on the show said, the nature of your relationship will forever change. Mm -hmm. You will be father and they will be, you know, a lay person. That's right. Instead of the two of you coming up together, having this bond mm -hmm. together as being seminarians. That's right. You were looking forward to your time together yes. as priests together. Yeah. And that, that must be very, very difficult. Yes. Yes, it is. But, um, you know, by the grace of, of God, you know, um, I think, you know, if, if, you, if you're good friends, all you care is about... Um, What's best? Our, what's best? Our holiness and our joy, right? And and so that's that's what we're we're aiming, and we help each other. And um, well, even like my friend Tony, who never he was discerning, but he never went into the seminary. He got married, yes, and um, to Marilyn. Um, I became the godfather of of their that's two awesome. uh, daughters, that's and uh, he called me father. <laughs> and I'm like, I. I don't say anything, but at, the, at first, you know, I was like, oh, I guess I that am. It must be odd. Yes. Because you, <laughs> yeah. you, you had a, a relationship with these people already. Yes. And then you, suddenly your, yeah. your father. Sometimes, not every time, but he, he, I, I first thought that it was when, when there were people around. 
Uh-huh. But the other day we had lunch and he calls me father. I'm like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like all right, Tony. <laughs> because he's so used to calling right, you, son. you know, Rick yeah. by your first name. And, and yeah, you know, funny that, that we're talking about this, you know, how people address you and whatnot. I definitely love, you know, when people call me father, right? It's just, uh, uh-huh. and now that I'm uh, again, devoted to St. Joseph, you know, call me father. I love it. As an, a meaning, um, a deeper yeah, meaning, the word father. Of course. But you know what I, what I find interesting is it's taking me um, a lot of, um, it's, it's very, it's, it's becoming very difficult for me to call somebody my daughter, my son. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because I feel young and I don't know, uh, but um, I, I don't know. You know, you know, you know what I mean. Yes, you know, if, I, yes. if I call you, oh, don't worry, my son. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe in English it sounds awkward, but in Spanish it's actually it's more natural. Yes, but I still, I still yes. have that. So that's something that a grace that I'm still waiting for the Lord to 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 give me, because I I really would like to respond in that manner, right? Because people consider me their father, their spiritual father. Yes, and I just want to correspond, and I do right with with how I speak to them. But that word, I think when the Lord gives me the grace to naturally Son. say that, it's going to bring me a lot of joy. You got me thinking now, because in the Philippines, they still use the Spanish word. Hijo, they, they still right. call you that in, in the Philippines. Oh, yes. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Mexico as well. So, yeah. but that's a, a grace that I'm asking for and that I'm waiting for. Maybe St. Joseph can help me you, with You still with that. T- feel a little too young at heart. Is that what it is? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know what? The thing is, I look younger than my age. And so people constantly remind me of that. And so mm. it's not that I feel young. It's just like people make me feel. <laughs> they make you feel younger. Yeah. It must be very difficult for, uh, for priests who went straight into the seminary out of high school and they come out really young. Yeah. Like, you know, like a father, David Michael at St. Faustina or, or, or one of the deacons, Deacon Joseph, like who went in right out of high school. Mm-hmm. That must be very difficult to say son, my daughter or something yes, like that. As them being so young. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. So now you've had those, your, those two years in the seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you spend your diaconate year? I was serving St. Patrick's at uh, Cavalcade uh, Road. I don't know. Near Cavalcade Road. Um, outside the loop. Uh, okay. 610 and close to 45. Was it a small parish? Yes. A small parish. Um, probably 90% Hispanics. Uh, both bilingual. You know, first generation or third generation. Fourth, uh-huh. sixth generation of Hispanics. Uh, beautiful parish. Oh my goodness. And I was under the leadership, the pastorship of uh, Father Tom Hawkshurst. And oh my God, he is one of the most um, devoted priests to their people that I've ever encountered. He, you know, speaking of living saints, he is, he is, he is, um, Again, you know, when, when I realize, right, that uh, a priest, again, and as a man of God for, for others, and then I see how Father Tom, you know, Father Tom is Anglo, uh-huh. and he learned Spanish, and he fell in love with the Hispanic culture, and he 
he he it's so so wonderful to see how he interacts with with hispanics because you know you can see that you know it's it's not his culture but he yes. has admired the culture and and he sees everyone as as a as a person he sees the value of each one uh he wants them involved he in a way you know without being too drastic he he restores the dignity of many of them you know that are you know living through rough times as immigrants yeah. uh-huh uh, anyway, I I had a blast at St. Pat, and the people there, oh my, they fed me like crazy, <laughs> Mexican food. Uh, but that's the uh, that's a sign of their love. So was know? it like so, being back at home? Oh yeah, <laughs> even better. They cook better. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. Hope your mom's not. <laughs> no, uh, not the beans, mom. Not the beans. <laughs> Those are. Those are my favorite from from. So you so. you spent a year there, and then how did when did you dis? Uh, well, you you learned about coming here to Saint Bart. Mm-hmm. Was it the day before or the day after your the ordination? Day, the day uh, before my ordination. If you, yes, the found. day before my ordination, I found out, and uh, and it was really. I mean, I really didn't know much about St. Bartholomew, except that one of my classmates, he did his diaconate year here, Okay, uh, Father Justin. And so I right away, you know, I, I asked him, hey, so what do you think? He's like, you are going to absolutely love St. Bartholomew. They're going to love you. It's, it's one of those parishes that, uh, you know, parishioners have uh, high spirituality uh-huh. You know, they have, we have here at St. Bart's, uh, the 24 hour adoration as well. And, and we see the fruits of that in the people. And, um, and he was right. He was absolutely right. I, I could not ask for, for a better assignment. And, um, I mean, I know there are amazing, amazing parishes out there, but you know, um, it was very easy for me to fall in love. That uh, was Father Christopher already here? Did yes. you come at, so yeah. how long was he here before your? Uh, he was going to be three years. Okay. So yeah. he had already been established mm-hmm. here yes. by the time you came. That's right. And he uh, was, uh, the year before I entered, he was already embarking the parish into a liturgical renewal. And um, and I love liturgy, well, as every priest should love liturgy. But um, you know what I mean? Like I spend a lot of my time, my free time, and, and also during the day. Uh, reading about the liturgy, you know, learning and relearning and going deeper and deeper. I mean, it's, it's a mystery, right? The liturgy yes. is God. The yes. liturgy is a trinity. So you cannot get enough. And so uh, so when he told me about that, it's like, well, tell me more about li- this liturgical renewal. He's like, well, basically we have a group of parishioners, but they are studying the documents of Vatican II. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we don't want to read you know, what did Vatican II intend or no, we want to go to the actual, uh, you know, primary sources. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was fascinating for me to see the conclusions that our own parishioners, you know, came with, you know, such as, you know, the organ is a primary uh, instrument of the church. That's all Vatican uh-huh. II. Latin, language Latin should be preserved in all of the liturgies, right? Um, I don't know, you, uh, you know, all these signs, you know, that, that mm-hmm. the council never took away like incense in mass, you know, yes. uh, 
et cetera. Um, so it was just beautiful to see how our own parishioners came with those conclusions. And to me, it was like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to help people to fall in love with uh, the liturgy as the church uh, wants us to, to was celebrate. Was this something done outside of the mass? Like what, what, were there classes or was it a, it was, a program? It's a group. It's a group. It's okay. like a committee. Okay. Of parishioners, okay. Uh, and they were they were devoting you know their time into you know yeah. coming up with these uh, conclusions and reading all these documents, um, music that that was one other huge part. And so uh -huh. I'm like, oh, I have some antiphons, you know. <laughs> 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 you, you, and uh, he's like, oh yeah, definitely. So uh, it has been interesting to to implement all these beautiful changes. Um, also, uh, a big thing is. Uh, I learned the traditional Latin mass and I fell in love with, with that mass. I'm still, uh, again, going super deep into it. And, mm -hmm. and every time I, I celebrate it, I find different reasons to, to love it. Uh, you know, and, and why is this important? Because it is part of our heritage. It yes. is part of our tradition. The Roman rite has two forms, the ordinary form and the extraordinary form, which is uh, the missile of 1962. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people is like, oh, you, you know, that old mass It's like, well, okay. The one that we can celebrate is the last revision, which is the missile of 1962. Uh -huh. The new mass is from 1969. It's like 1962, 1969. They're uh -huh. not too, you know, <laughs> apart from each other yes. in centuries, you know? So, yes. you know, a lot of people think like, oh, well, that mass, it's, it's so old. And of course it's based on the tradition mm -hmm. early christianity however the the missiles you know it's 1962 yes. and 1969 <laughs> so almost same same you know decade so tell us about the parish podcast conversing clergy yes. how long has this been going on uh father christopher started conversing clergy uh about uh, i think 2 years before uh, before I came into okay. the parish. However, he can actually tell you the story that when he was in seminary, he actually came up with that idea. And I believe with Father Earthman that uh -huh. I mentioned, uh, he, he, he serves at the seminary, um, he wanted that. He wanted a, a radio show or something like that uh, to just have clergy conversing. About topics. And what do you do every week on the... What do we do? Yes. So it's every Wednesday. Uh, and what we do is just talk about different topics. So Father Christopher comes, uh, you know, he asks, you know, what are the interests of people? And, you know, finally he decides, okay, we're going to go for this topic. So he gives that in advance. And uh, I really don't prepare much for it. Uh -huh. It's just really a, a conversation. And that's what he wants. He wants uh, us to be pretty relaxed. Yes. Uh, you know, we actually drink coffee during yes. the show. And so it's <laughs> so very it, relaxing. And then you also have a, a deacon with you. We have a deacon. Yes. And uh, we used to have the seminarian Christopher Meyer, uh -huh. now it's, uh, a deacon. And so he, um, uh, he was also part of that uh, show. Uh, what we do is basically, you know, talk about topics about the faith that interests the people. Uh, he gives certain quotes from church's, uh, you know, official uh, magisterium and, and that's it. You and do a deep we, dive into it. Yeah, we it, dive into yeah. it. And we, oh, what is really, really fun 
is that it, it's live. So we interact with parishioners uh-huh. or whoever wants to connect, right? Uh, yes. I have my family from Mexico always connecting. And so, you know, people from different parts of the world, uh, they, uh, they connect and they ask their questions. And what a great opportunity, I would say, for us, first of all, as clergy, mm-hmm. to be in contact with our, our, our parishioners and the faithful and to serve them, you know, uh, and, 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 and for the faithful, you know, to open, you know, the doors of their homes that are, you know, you know and, and for us to be there. Um, there, are, there are two fun things that happen during the show, and that is meme time. So yes. a parishioner send us <laughs> memes that they want us to show. And, and they're always, not always good, but um, they're always fun to, to see the reaction of, uh, of the people and, and even my own reaction because I don't see them in advance. So, and so sometimes I definitely don't like it. I don't, I just say the truth, you know, like that doesn't make sense. That's not, it's not even funny. Well, know? that's the whole fun of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, picking it apart and, and yeah, seeing good and bad mm-hmm. memes. Yeah. And the other one is pictures of the domestic church. So our parishioners, they send a picture of how they live as, as a, a domestic church. You know, sometimes we receive pictures of the family uh, with the children uh, praying in the living room awesome. or doing an altar yeah. for, for the sacred heart of our lady. And so it's, it's nice to, to see that. And this is every Wednesday, every Wednesday. And they can see it where on the Facebook page, Facebook or YouTube, YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Both. Just mm-hmm. search, search up St. Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Yes. Uh, or conversing, con- clergy. conversing clergy. Okay. Yeah. Now looking back at your time in the seminary and formation and all of that, what was the most surprising thing? About about my vocation? Yes. Wow. Um, you know, you were going into mm, it. What surprised you the most? I guess what surprised me the most is um, the, the, I mean, I'm not going to say that I was fully surprised, but the fact that I was leaving this surprise uh, was shocking. Um, baptism wedding, anointing of the sick, mass in one day, you know, like oh. all these changes wow. of, of atmosphere, of people crying, yes. of sadness yeah. because they just lost, you know, their, their father or their mother, uh, going to another event that they are crying, but they are crying of joy in a wedding because their daughter is getting married. Yes. Uh, or, you know, just, uh, just being fully happy, um, you know, it, or, you know, confession time, you know. Uh, wow, that must be, yeah. The, I, mean, I it's, didn't realize it's, that for the life of yeah. a priest, you have to shift mm-hmm. between those different things yes. all in one day. And, and that's why, you know, going back to the, the prayer, I guess that's surprising to me that prayer could be the first thing that a priest can say, I'll do it later. And then you're completely mm, booked. Yeah. I, yeah. oh my gosh, my calendar, that's another shocking, surprising thing. I am, I mean, if you ask me any dates within the next two years, uh-huh. probably I will tell you what I'll do <laughs> uh, any particular day at a particular time. It's, it's really interesting. And you're not even the parish and priest I'm not yet. Even, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it is, uh, I mean, it's, you have to find the beauty of that, but you also have to be very careful. Like, you know, some surprises. Um, like that, you know, like the prayer uh-huh. thing, 
uh, it's crucial that we that we never uh, say I'll do it later. It's like no, like right now, this is the time. This is the time. What is the most difficult thing? So you said the most surprising thing is going through all those different changes mm-hmm. in one day. What's the most difficult part of your discernment, being a seminarian, finally, be, uh, you know, your transitional deacon, and then finally being a priest? What's the most difficult thing that you had to encounter during the entire process? I guess, you know, difficulty uh, in balancing uh, your, you know, the dimensions of, of, the, of the human person. Um, you know, in seminary, uh, we were all told or formed, uh, I should say, in four different dimensions, you know, the spiritual, the human, the intellectual, and the pastoral. Um, and, and there is a reason, right, that they make an emphasis on those areas. It's because that is the most difficult thing. It's to be balanced in, in, in those four. Okay. Because if you dedicate a lot of time in your spiritual you know, time is like, okay, well, what about your, your human aspect, your human interaction? I mean, you're a priest, yes, right? And, and it's good that, that a priest prays, but you're not a monk. Uh-huh. And even if you're a monk, you have to interact with your brother monks, right? Yes. Uh, so that human aspect is also very important. And so it just kind of, um, you know, you don't have to be a priest to, in order to find this difficulty in life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think that's the most difficult. It's balance. It's, it's, uh, it's to find the, the harmony in, in your life uh, with all these areas. I would have expected you to say that it was a little more difficult letting go of your private life because you had already spent, you were a professional already. Mm-hmm. You were on your own. You had a career. Yes. I would have expected you to say yeah. it was difficult letting all of that go. Right. Well, um, well, you can erase what I said, and I'm just gonna <laughs> say that. that <laughs> no, don't erase it. <laughs> no, but uh, I think that uh, that is it's part of it. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if I have I don't know if I have encountered difficulty in that. To be honest, not yet. Really? Maybe I will, but right now. Um, I don't think so. Um, for the most part, <laughs> I find that the faithful, they respect our, our privacy, our, our mm-hmm. you know, even though, you know, that they have a lot of needs, mm-hmm. they're always like, Father, I, I really need to talk to you, but I know that, you know, uh-huh. you, you, you probably, you know, super busy. You know, when is the best time for you? You know, uh-huh. so they always try to, to respect that, you know, um, you know, you, you, you have a lot of things to do and mm-hmm. also you have friends and you have, uh, you know, family. Yeah. So that has, I haven't encountered. That. How about your career? Mm. You know, as an animator, as an educator, did you find it difficult letting all of that go? I already had that difficulty solved, you know, when I shared with you that that is the moment, the crucial moment when yes. I let go, you know. Uh, so there was no looking back. No looking back. And now what happens is that God never wastes any talent that he gives you. He never wastes anything. And that's, that's something to learn, um, you know, because sometimes you think you are letting go and yes, you might be letting go a job, but you're not letting go of your talents. 
if you if you offer them to the Lord, the Lord will do something for you to use them for his glory and for the advancement of the kingdom of God here on earth. So graphic design, oh my gosh, I do it every day. You still use it. Um, yes. That's awesome. I do it every day to promote uh, diff different events. Uh, I do logos. I, I'm even painting. I paint uh, Byzantine icons. As a matter of fact, I'm doing one for a priest friend who who asked for it, uh, saying, oh, uh, St. Joseph. Uh, so the same, the same yes. priest friend. And uh, so I'm doing that. Um, You're just loaded with talent. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I again, Let I don't think Let me just compose God... <laughs> something. Let me just paint something, you know. Uh, yeah, sure. Let me go on a radio show. <laughs> no. Um, and then the other one, teaching. I mean, come on. I mean, I catechesis, you know, all, all yes. giving lectures. I that makes that's a little closer. Yeah, I'm the yeah. spiritual director of, yeah. of some groups. Uh, Christus Vivit, like Hispanic young adults. Uh, I did a theology on tap recently with them, and uh, I'm always teaching, always, always teaching. homilies. I mean, yes, you know, exactly. So, um, yeah, we have a school here at St. Bart's, not a full school, but pre-K and you know lower than that. So you know. The environment of school, you know, is still there, you know, here in the parish. So, um, again, I think God, uh, when you, when you say, Lord, I trust you, yes. I, I will give my life to you. He will never waste anything. Now, looking ahead, after being here for a couple of years now at uh, St. Bartholomew, looking ahead, because... You, you probably know it's going to come that you're going to get your orders to move to another parish. What do you see happening? Do you, do you think they're going to, do you have any idea where they're going to move you if it's going to happen anytime soon? Or if oh. they're going to keep you because of the whole pandemic, they're going to keep you here for a while longer. Well, that's something that, you know, I didn't, I, we don't know. We don't know. Um, the way that uh, I believe it's beneficial for parochial vicars mm -hmm. is for us to have many, as much experience as we can mm -hmm. in different parish settings before we become pastors. Sometimes uh, that is not the case because of the need uh, for priests. Yes. And I am very much aware that the fact that I, that I speak Spanish and that I, you know, Hispanic, have Hispanic heritage Mexican heritage in particular, then that may cause for me to, you know, to be, become a pastor in less than five years, but who knows, you know, now going back to that, you know, joke that, you know, I want to stay a parochial vicar forever. Again, you know, it's like the, the more I live, you know, being a parochial vicar, uh -huh. the more I realize that it is actually uh, more relaxing. Um, but, you know, talking to Father David Michael Moses, you know, uh -huh. we both said, you know, yes, it is relaxing. It is less stressful, but we were not ordained for comfort. Mm. We were not ordained for, for living a comfort life. Mm -hmm. We were ordained for challenges. And yes. so we have to be ready. But again, you know, it's up to us whether we want to raise our hand and say, uh, Carnal, um, do you have an opening? I'm ready, you know, uh -huh. or just let it go, you know, let it go and say, you know, whenever, whenever you, Lord, wants me to move, that's it. I think uh, I'm more on that side right now, that I don't want to cause any big changes in my life as a priest right now. Uh -huh. I just want to let the Lord uh, take me wherever he wants. So, Thank you so much for, 
for coming in and speaking with us. And we, we look forward to catching more episodes of Conversing Clergy. Yes, please. Please do. It's, it's going pretty well. It's going to be fun. Thank you for having me, Rudy, in the show. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Yes. Uh, well, God bless you. You too.